0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep, deep diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast. And pro football hall of famer, the general, Sean w- w- McClain. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Utopia talk.
0: Are you ready for the mailbag, John?
1: Absolutely.
0: Let's do it. Let's do the mailbag. H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com if you want to get a question in next week. But we've got our six or seven questions for this week. Let's start with our guy, Wale. I believe is in Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, says, hey, y'all, hope you're doing well. He's got two questions. What did you think opened up the run game, uh, though the offensive line situation was the same? Okay, let me let me phrase this for you, Wally. Even though the offensive line was the same or worse than it was maybe, Then To start the season, what do you think opened up the run game for them on Sunday against the Steelers?
1: First thing they did, Bobby Sloak did a great job of play calling. He had two end rounds with Tank Dell just to let them know we can do that. He had pitches right and pitches left to uh, Damian Pierce, giving him a chance to run outside, and he did a really good job. And then the screen passes – that one was called back because of a penalty. The other one was 20-something yards. They hadn't been able to run a screen pass in forever. They would throw the ball to Rex Bleeping Burkhead last year or Daria Gumbawali or Royce Freeman, and they just couldn't pull it off, and they did a great job. So everything he did was designed to to keep the Steelers honest to help the running game, which, of course, designed to help the passing game. And then when – uh, Devin Singletary got the ball on, I think, three plays in a row. That was all to set up the option pass for a touchdown to Dalton Schultz. So I think they did a great job blocking under the circumstances. And Piercey got the yards the hard way, still, still averaged three something to carry, but they were effective from the start. And so much of it had to do with Bobby Sloik's play calling.
0: Yeah. I, um, yeah, the the two tank Dell end arounds, John, I thought were that that's when I one of several things Bobby Sloak did that day where you feel like, OK, there's definitely a new sheriff in town compared to what we've seen the last few years. You know, just <clears throat> obviously all the use of motion. But man, using tank Dell in a game where, you know, it's going to be tough sledding running up the middle to do things like that to kind of loosen up the defense a little bit. Bobby Sloan, is. I, I was real critical of him a couple of weeks ago. He's been operating on a different level the last couple of weeks in a good way. Wale's other question is something that that we've touched on, and and something honestly. I, I probably had six other emails asking us this about what do we think the chances are the Texans can compete for and win the AFC South. I think we laid that one out pretty good. You and I both think it's a possibility, just given how how uh, oddly balanced this division seems to be four games in right now.
1: It's it it is oddly balanced. A lot of us can have to do with the quarterback staying healthy. Trevor Lawrence goes down. Jacksonville's not winning. Stroud goes down. Same thing. Ryan Tannehill, I'm not so sure because his play is so closely tied in to Derrick Henry's success. Henry looked really good against Cincinnati. So Tannehill had a good game. And then Anthony Richardson as a rookie, he gets banged up. You know, what are the odds that he's not going to miss some more games? So right now, As we talked before about why not the Texans, Texans couldn't have any worse injuries anywhere other than quarterback than they've had in the offensive line and the backups, and the backups' backups in the offensive line. Mm -hmm. And the coaches have done a tremendous job. This team is not going to get beat because of coaching. And when is the last time we've been able to say that? Since Gary Kubiak was here with Kyle Shanahan Mm -hmm. and Robert Sala and Mike McDaniel. And Matt LaFleur and and uh Mike Sherman and Troy Calhoun, that was a great coaching staff, but we haven't said it since.
0: Well, and even even Kubiak's first couple of years, John, his first three or four years, he did not have good defensive coordinators. I mean, he didn't get that right until they brought Wade Phillips in. So it's you know, it's, it's it's not universal with kids. I can go back to day one of Kubiak, because this is day one of D'Amico Ryan's. Like Demico has done a great job filling out a staff tremendous job
1: and he's smart we knew he was going to make the calls all along i've been saying that since the combine the reason was he did so well at it at san francisco why would he stop now and right now he's doing a great job matt burke first year coordinator has a lot of input and matt's not shy about telling domico what he thinks and domico wants to know what he thinks even if he disagrees with him and then a lot of people wanted domico to hire a veteran play caller somebody who's done it before and he was uh he joined at the hip with slowick and he knew slowick was going to do well because he'd been around him his entire career with the 49ers and boy he bobby is rewarding D'Amico's faith in him
0: no doubt all right let's get to the next one john this is from billy more impressive deshaun's first four games first four starts as a rookie or cj's first four starts as a rookie
1: Boy, Deshaun's were good too. He, the, the last one he had was at Seattle, which was just unbelievable. No, no, no. no. First, four, no, just no, the first four. I'm just yeah. talking about his last one. I'm working backward. Gotcha. The last one at Seattle was fantastic. Legion of Boom said it's the best any quarterback had played against him. Before that, I believe he had a great game. It was either Cleveland or Tennessee, where he threw a bunch of touchdown passes. Touched
0: Tennessee was his third start, and they scored 57 points.
1: Yeah, and they haven't done that here. So if I had to pick one, I'd say Watson. He also had a half of for a warm-up before his first start, so he mm-hmm. had an advantage over C.J. Stroud. So I would say Watson, but it's neck and neck.
0: Yeah, I, I'd i go Stroud, John, only because I think Stroud is being asked to execute a more complicated offense than Deshaun was at that point. I mean, just, Bill O'Brien was running a lot of Clemson concepts when, they, when he threw Deshaun in there to be the starter, doing a lot more RPOs. To which point Deshaun actually, you know, he had a few hundred yards rushing at that, you know, in the like, I think he had 160 yards rushing in his first four starts. So that's a point in Deshaun's favor. I just think CJ, CJ's walking into a way more dysfunctional situation than Deshaun was. And that's I, the truth. It's funny. I don't mean like it's not anymore because you got D'Amico in there and you got a good staff. But I'm talking about the fan base and the roster and everything else. Like Deshaun was walking onto a team that had won the division two years in a row at least, you know. And
1: coming off a playoff victory.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I give it to CJ, but but it's I, I'll say this like you get a similar feel with CJ that you got about Deshaun in those first four games, which is wow, we holy crap, my team found the guy. It never happens, you know? Um, so that that's been really cool. Joe Q is a frequent emailer. To the uh to the podcast he, he's talk, he's he's asking about a stat where every year there's a team that lost 10 games and then they win 10 games the next year he's he says he's not sure of the stat he's asking if we know it I don't know the exact stat other than to say that's the NFL there are teams that are bad one year and good the next year he's wondering are the, are the Texans a candidate for that to become a double-digit win team and have we revised our expectations on our season win total john you you said six and eleven I said seven and ten before the season
1: uh, absolutely, based on four games. Now, I could all go south, sure. uh, they could, you know, he could get hurt, but I'll say this Atlanta and Chicago were the two teams' favorite. And the stat I've seen is not winning 10 games, is going from worst to first. Okay, some at least one team's done it every year for like forever. So, there were all the national publications were picking two, and a bunch of them picked the Bears. I didn't understand why either. And I'm guessing they're looking pretty stupid right now. And Atlanta doesn't look good in these last two games. So with Texans, yes, I have revived what I'd say. I, they look like they could win eight games, maybe nine games. Looks like they could win the division because there's not a great team in the division. And right now, maybe there's not a really good one, but there's a good one. The Texans are good. Jaguars are good. Titans good one week down the next. Colts have been a huge surprise. What was supposed to be the worst division in football has been surprisingly good and competitive. And now they get to play the other division that was supposed to be the worst in football, the NFC South, for the next four games.
0: Next four games, absolutely. All right, let's keep it moving. Uh, Dave is in Buffalo. Uh, We appreciate you, Dave. Dave listens to the podcast. another good win, guys, for the Texans. They're definitely getting a lot of love nationally after beating the Steelers. And Bryce Young continues to look like he's not ready for the NFL. Exclamation point. Two questions for the podcast. What's our prediction on Bills-Jaguars in London this week? And could Mac Jones get traded by the trade deadline? All right, so let's take the Bills-Jags is in London. Jags are already over in London, John, because they just played Atlanta there. So they're going two in a row uh, in London. Bills just got done beating up on the Dolphins 48-20 to and now are traveling overseas. I haven't looked to see what the spread is on that game. I'm going to assume the Bills are a favorite in that game. Bills are playing the best football of anybody since week one. Um, but what are your thoughts on Bills, Jags, over there in London this week?
1: Bills could have a natural letdown after that big game against Miami, uh-huh. but that trip's shorter to London than it is for them to fly to Seattle or San Diego when <laughs> they've had to go to San Diego. And so I don't think it's a big deal. The Jaguars like being over there. It's their home away from home. They do it every year. People, Some people were saying, Well man, they got to be over there two weeks. They it's more fun to be in London than Jacksonville. And I like Jacksonville, but London, man. So I think they're going to be comfortable. I think they're going to make a close game out of it. But Buffalo is going to win because right now the bills are on a roll.
0: Bills are five and a half point favorites in that one uh, in, in London. That sounds about right to me. Um, As far as Mac Jones getting traded by the trade deadline, John, I've, I've thought of a lot of guys who could get traded by the trade deadline. Mac Jones is not one of the ones that have crossed my mind, I'll be honest with you.
1: And who would want him? I mean, let's think about it. He has not played well, didn't play well last year. They thought Bill O'Brien was the elixir for everything that's going wrong with him, and he's been worse. And he got benched by Bill Belichick. And at some point soon, they better start thinking about tanking a few games, seeing if they can be in a position to get – one of these top quarterbacks coming out because Mac Jones has regressed and you can't blame it on the former head coaches he had last year coaching him. And uh, I uh, maybe he'll turn it around, but, man, he made some mistakes rookies don't make against the Cowboys.
0: Oof, brutal, brutal. I asked our friend Ted Johnson, John, like how I texted old Teddy yesterday. For those who new to the podcast, Ted Johnson used to work with John and I at Sports Radio Six Ten, former inside linebacker for the Patriots during the early Super Bowl years in the early two thousands, and Ted uh, Ted works up in Boston now. He does radio and TV up in Boston. And I said, "How are things going for our friend Bob up there?" He said, "He's actually not even close to Belichick and Mac Jones as far as the the targets for criticism right there." He's said boB's done a good job just kind of putting his head down and going to work it's Mac Jones and Bill Belichick whose heads everybody wants on a spit right now
1: Kirk curb straight I heard him say call Bill O'Brien the best offensive mind in football okay
0: that's I mean that it, it, it tell me you don't watch the NFL without saying you don't watch the NFL Kirk is what I would say <laughs> Bill's fine like he's he's I think Bill's an average coach I think he's an average offensive coordinator and an average head coach and I think I think if he had just left well enough alone of the roster here, he might still be the Texans' head coach. Who knows? I'd be
1: as long as Deshaun Watson was the quarterback. You know, they had a chance to beat just about any team before it all went sideways.
0: Yep. All right, two more, John. Derwin in Cypress says, has any Texans defense not allowed a team in their territory an entire half and only twice in the red zone for the entire game? I don't know, and I don't have the wherewithal to look it up, but, that, John, that was as dominant a defensive performance – by the Texans, as we've seen, I mean, I can't even remember. Like that, that was that was a that was a pasting of the Steelers on Sunday.
1: One of the most impressive things they did was uh, the Steelers had had, I think, at least a seventy-yard touchdown pass in each of the previous two games, and neither George Pickens nor Calvin Austin, their two receivers, neither one of them even averaged nine yards a catch. Yeah, they did a great job of keeping them in front of them, not letting them get yards after the catch, unlike Nico Collins, who has got to lead the league in that. He breaks so many tackles, and they, except for the third quarter, they smothered the running game. And how about that play call? Fourth and one, you got a chance to cut into the lead. You're in the shotgun. You have picket throw instead of giving it to 225-pound Najee Harris, who had been pounding the Texans.
0: Silly. I mean that, that 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 gets you fired. That's you're talking about Matt Canada, the OC for the Steelers. That's that's the stuff that gets you fired, no doubt. All right, last one, John Gus in the Woodlands. I heard Payne and Pendergast talking about who the Astros' most essential player is for the postseason this morning. Who does John think the most essential Astros? Who's the who's the one player the Astros can't do without on their own team this postseason, John?
1: Since they have so many good hitters and so many good position players. I'm not going to take one of them. As far as the, but the pitching staff, which struggled, the starters, except on the last five of the last six games when they outscored him, I think, 24 to six. I would say Justin Verlander, who was great in his previous start, was good in the last start as opposed to Romber Valdez, who was not good in either one. Christian Alvier looked good against a makeshift lineup in the last game of the year at Arizona, but... I would say Verlander because of his experience and because he's pitching really well right now.
0: You and I are the same same mind, John. This is actually a topic from MLB.com that I stole for the show for Payne and Pendergast. And Brian McTaggart was the one who wrote the blurb for the Astros because he covers that beat as the Rangers know. Um, but uh, McTaggart said Jose Altuve and and look, Jose Altuve is a Hall of Famer, all that stuff. But I'm with you like this year. The hitting's not a problem. The hitting's come around. They've got one of the three or four best lineups of any of the playoff teams. This is a scary, in a bad way for Astro fans, a scary pitching situation for this team because of I can't trust Javier right now. Even though he was good the last time out and he's had flashes here and there, he still cannot, in my mind, he can't be trusted. And, and the, there's just such a big drop-off between Justin Verlander Bramber Valdez when he's right and even that has been kind of shaky and then after that John it's piggyback a palooza after those two you know so if you lose one of those two guys you're asking Dusty Baker to make a whole lot of decisions that he hasn't had to make quite honestly in a couple of years because his pitching staff has been so good and the other thing I'd say about Altuve he went one for 28 to start the postseason last year. And it seemed to work out okay for the Astros. They 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 were able to weather that storm.
1: And it worked out okay this year when he missed two and a half months with a yeah. broken wrist or thumb. Wow. I got another great stat that I saw today. And this one stuns me. I'm always complaining about Astro pitchers can't pitch five innings. Javier can't get to five innings or overworked the bullpen. Yeah. Guess what bullpen pitched the second fewest innings in Major League Baseball this season? I was shocked when I read it.
0: The Kansas City, no, the Houston Astros. I'm assuming is what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah.
1: Can you believe that? I couldn't believe it.
0: I think um, no. The answer for I never would have guessed that. So yeah, I guess it's hard to believe. I think a couple things, John. One, well, it's really one thing. We've just been spoiled. Like the the what's happening with the Astros this year is way more the norm out there in the baseball wilderness than what we've experienced the last few years, when pretty much every starter can go get you six innings in their sleep. You know what I mean? Like, that's the the normal. That's not normal. What the Astros have been doing pitching-wise in 21 and 22 is not normal. This is more normal what they went through this year. Now, the the, the extreme injuries to some of the pitchers, maybe not normal, but they had so many starting pitchers to begin with coming into the season that – I I was surprised. I saw the same thing you did. I was surprised to see that because it hasn't felt that way. But I think it hasn't felt that way because if you take a look around baseball, um, the Astros are much closer to being you know one of the one of the bourgeois or the proletariat than the aristocracy that they've been the last couple of seasons.
1: Fortunately, their bullpen is the best in baseball again. Brian yes, Abreu yep. has been fantastic, and I had to give props to Maldi for that one great game. He had defensively, and he didn't quite get back to the Mendoza line, but he was in the 190s. Now, he can't throw anybody out. Staff's terrible at holding runners. His framing's bad. He leads the league in pass balls, but I think you can't beat playoff experience. I want the Astros to play the Rangers in the American League Championship Series. It's not going to happen, but just because I want to see them beat them again, I want the Rangers to win. All my friends want the Rangers to lose to the Rays, and they will. But I want them to win so the Astros get another shot at them and see who the general manager Chris Young can complain about down here next.
0: Okay, so you don't want the Rangers to win because they're a Texas team, like you with the Spurs a few months ago. No, I, really I hate the, that. I, was. I, that
1: was the Spurs. Yeah, and I don't have a problem with the Cowboys. I don't okay. like the I don't like the Rangers though.
0: Okay, um, two things real quick, and then we're gonna get out of here. Um, one is. A question for you. Well, I'll I'll give you the question in a second because there's a poll question I put up. You probably saw it. It's Astro related, but the as far as the experience goes, John, I I dropped this stat on Payne and Pendergast this morning, and this is why I really like the Astros' chances in the postseason. If even with all the shakiness in the pitching staff, in the last six postseasons, so since the Astros' first World Series championship that postseason in 2017, the Astros have played 86 postseason games since 2017. The other five teams in the American League playoffs this year have played 42 postseason games combined in the last six years. Wow. So the, Astros, the Astros have played more than twice as many postseason games since 2017 as all five of these other organizations have put together. And 32 of those 42 games that those five teams have played have been the, from the Tampa Bay Rays. So the other four teams combined, Baltimore, Toronto, Texas – and who am I missing? Uh, the, the, the Minnesota. Minnesota. They played a total of 10 postseason games since 2017.
1: Twins and won a playoff game in 18 years. One I'd like to know now, and you can look this up how many players on the Astros, what are the guys that are still here, how many playoff games have they played compared to the playoff games? of players on the other teams, yeah. and it would be dominated again because of Altuve, Bregman, and uh, Verlander, yeah. as well as some others like Presley that have been around a while. Yeah. And I saw a thing the other day talking about young teams tend to do well, like Baltimore, but I'll believe it when I see it.
0: Yeah, me too. Last thing, John, um, who do you want in the next round, Minnesota or Toronto? You want the Fighting Correas or the Fighting George Springers?
1: Team Correa or Team... Springer, the Twins have played better since the All-Star break. Correa has not played well at all. I've been watching ESPN talking about man when the playoffs start, he starts playing great. Well, he did with the Astros. Mm-hmm. And so I'd rather see him play the Twins because the Blue Jays they could come alive hitting. They've got really good starting pitching. Yeah, I want to see firepower. I want to see the Twins. And then the Rangers, even though it'll be the Orioles. I asked then my then Twitter Yeah,
0: probably. I, I asked my Twitter audience who they want based solely on the former Astro involved. Eighty percent said they want to play Correa. <laughs> He's just not as likable as George Springer. I think people want to beat Carlos Correa. Um, well, I, you know,
1: Correa when he took his one fifteen, he was gone. I think Correa's bounced all over with teams. It's all about money. People are fortunate that Pena he hasn't done a, a an accurate impersonation of him, but he's come close based on his stats. And maybe he'll actually hit a home run for the first time since 2. The but they won a World Series with him, and Correa didn't. And you know, Correa and Springer would have loved to have been here last year. Oh, yeah, for sure, for
0: sure. Correa, especially, because he actually got a legit offer. I don't know how legit any offer was for Springer, you know, a guy, an outfielder who was 31 years old at the time, but yeah. And it would have been fun having both of them. I like both those guys.